on Wednesday night, we shared a little bit about uh, Scripture in Luke, where Jesus, you know, was talking about the Good Samaritan, and the, and the, and the person asked him and said, you know, what is it that I need to do to, to receive eternal life? And Jesus replied and said, I don't know, you tell me. How many of you have asked God a question before and he's asked you, maybe for the answer, or you've asked Pastor Bill or Pastor Pam, what should I do? And they say, well, what's the Holy Spirit telling you? And so this man replied, he said, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this week, uh, on Wednesday night, this last week, we talked about loving ourselves. It went along with the things that Pastor Pam had been sharing, things that Caleb maybe a little bit had shared along the way, some things that were talked about, I know, in the men's breakfast and and alive on that Friday night. You can still download any of those messages online. You can go to victorylafayette.org, take those things, check them out, download them onto your computer. You can make your own CDs. Make your own duplicating system. If you want to take all of Pastor Pam's messages, go home, download them, duplicate them, and give them to everybody at work, then knock yourself out. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not going to hold you accountable. We won't charge you anything for that. We'll be just glad that the word's getting out all over the place. Amen. A different opportunity in a different way. But we shared a little bit about loving ourselves, and it's important. You can't... You can't Go after the lost, and you can't go after the people who are out there because it says you need to love them like you love yourself. Pastor Bill's always taught and always shared that when he looks in the mirror, he can truly look at the mirror and say, I love that guy. He's a good guy. Does he make mistakes? Sure, we all do. When you look in the mirror, the idea is that you don't see your past. You see who God's created you to be and who you're becoming in him. And if you can get past that, it's a revelation that happens in your mind and your heart. You believe that. You begin to speak that out of your mouth then all of a sudden your thoughts about you change. All of a sudden what you feel and, and, and what you have on the inside of you begins to change. And now you walk with a different confidence. It says in the Word of God that we're not supposed to lose our confidence. That we're supposed to have our confidence in God and who He is, who He created us to be, and what He called us to do. So we're going to look a little bit today, though, really about living large. Because Pastor Bill was there in Washington, D.C., and I wanted to share just a, a, a moment. I mean, our country is, in, is truly in peril. If you have an opportunity to talk to Pastor Bill, he can fill you in on all the little pieces and parts. Many of you watched Glenn Beck and all the others as they shared from, from right there in the Memorial Mall. They began to share the things that God was, was doing and what God is, is speaking to them. And truly, as we believe here, Pastor Bill and Pam and, and myself, we believe God is speaking it to the church. Really, truly to the church to get to a point in your life where you can rise up. That you can, like Pastor Bill spoke that message that said, stand out, speak out, you know, act up. Are you acting up? Are you speaking out? It's not just one guy who stands in the Memorial Mall and tells you that righteousness needs to be taught, taught and, and spoken, but also lived in this earth and in the United States of America. And not just for the people who live in this country, but for all the believers who are part of this country. Pastor Bill had shared with me, he was reading a book, and it said that America claims to have about 80 million, about 80 million people claim to be evangelicals. That's like us for the most part. Doesn't include all the denominations and the Catholics and all the other people who might be God-fearing and God-loving folk. It says that, that we proclaim to be 80 million strong in just this group. Now, if you throw in everybody else, that's a whole lot of people. Yet for too long, the voice of unrighteousness has spoken for the voice of righteousness. Because the church has kind of sat on her hands, or the church has kind of held her mouth, and the church has said, we can't do that, or we can't say that. I've shared this story before, but I was talking to a young man and, and said, you know, it was great being in the, in, in, the, in the schools and teaching the way that I did and all these kind of things. And this kid said, well, I'm just glad that, you know, I, I can teach where I am because I can talk about Jesus and I can pray with the kids and I can do all these kind of things. And it was a Christian school situation. And I said, well, I did the same thing. 
Huh? I said, well, yeah. Who said you can't talk about Jesus in your classroom? Who said you can't share Jesus with the kids who are part of your place? No, I didn't go in the first day and hold up my Bible and stand up on my desk and say, this is what we believe. And I didn't have, you know, all the Ten Commandments nailed on the wall and all those kind of things. But what I did and what I tried to do for those 13 years was to live like God called me to live, be who God called me to be. And what I found was as I did that, it drew people to me. And in those moments where they all leave class and one kid sits behind and I say, what's the matter? Then they begin to tell you what's going on in their life. And then you have an opportunity. God always opens the door and God always makes a way. If your place of business or the place where, you know, you spend your time has said, you know what, you can't be preaching the gospel, you can't be talking to people, fine. Ask God for the opportunity, He'll open the door, and then you step through. If, if they're telling you you can't do it, God says you can do it, then you can do it. God will make a way for you to do it. And He'll make a place. He'll make a time. But what happens to us many times is that's an inconvenient time. Well, it's my lunch break. It's my break to go get, I always, I always have a ho-ho. On my break. I don't have time to pray. You know, I just make time. Even if it's inconvenient, skip the ho-ho. I mean, maybe God's telling you something, you know, that's going to that's gonna help you out. Maybe it's two birds with one stone. I needed to lose weight anyway, so he's going to give me people to minister to on my lunch break. So I can fast lunch, and then I can help them, and then God trims me all at the same time. So it all works. You all have a part to play. And you don't get to, like, choose what part you want to play. God takes you and he puts you in the particular role that he has for you to function. But the problem is the body of Christ, one, wants to be somebody else, or two, wants to be invisible and be nobody. Very few people in the body of Christ want to stand up and make a proclamation. As I share with the young people, and I've shared in here many times before, if you want to make a difference, if you want your life to count, if you want what you're doing and what God has called you to, if you want success in your life, then go after the things that God has for you with all of your heart, with reckless abandon, forgetting what people think, forgetting what people might say, forgetting what might happen to you. If you'll go after this thing with all of your heart, soul, mind, what did it say? See, and love your neighbor as yourself. You will absolutely be that person that's set aside. So you look across the world today, you look across America, how come we can say there's five? Pastor Bill can name the five people that wanted to stand up and proclaim at that moment. Now, there were hundreds of thousands of people who were there. Now, hopefully those hundreds of thousands of people who were there will go home and now become the voice that those five people were. See, it's imparting not just some rhetoric, not just some thing. It's imparting the Word of God, the plan of God, the will of God for this country and for the body of Christ. And if you can impart that into the people, then things will change if... See, things will change if those people will do the same thing. But if we can have whatever we want in Washington, D.C., we can jump up and down and we can have a parade and we can do all those kind of things. But if nobody will go home and do anything about it, then nothing's going to happen and nothing's going to change. It doesn't matter to me if you're 18, it doesn't matter to me if you're 40, it doesn't matter to me if you're 60, 80, whatever you are, it doesn't make any difference. God has a part to play for you in this last day as we usher in His coming. It's a great part, it's a great opportunity. You get to be part of the team. I mean, how many people right now want to be a part of the, you know, I mean, I want to go be part of the Miami Heat. I mean, Dwayne Wade's there, you know? I mean, he's, he's, now he's got LeBron and Chris Bosh. Who wouldn't want to be part of the Heat? I mean, Dan and I, Dan and I could play with those three guys and we could do well. I'm short and slow and he's tall. I mean, we, we could do it. Because all we got to do is like, just we just want to be part of the team. Well, does the body of Christ truly want to be part of the team? Because being part of, of this particular team 
means laying down you. Means lay, that's quiet. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Amen. A little louder the next time. Then you know what I mean. He's laying down the things that maybe you've had in your. Now I believe God puts things in your heart. He puts dreams and He puts desires and He puts all that stuff and He puts it on the inside of you. But then you've got to allow Him to bring those things out of you. And you can't have this side thought. That says, you know what, I can kind of maybe get to this if I can finally get to this. And if I can make this much money, then I'll be able to do this thing. God calls people into the kingdom of God to be great givers and to be financers of the things that God's doing in the kingdom. Businesses that absolutely flourish and the the ceiling just goes off. And all they're doing is just funneling stuff into the Sudan and into different things in different places. But there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who are wasting away in their life because they believe that that's their job. They know it's not, but they want to believe that that's their job because going the other direction and telling somebody about Jesus or working for the Lord, using their hands, using their words, using their feet. See, that means they got to get out there and risk themselves. But it's easier to sit over here and say, you know what? I'm going to grow my business to a point where I'm going to be able to finance the kingdom of God. And I know that, well, that's a good and noble cause, but is that the God noble cause for you? Yes, we're all supposed to be givers. We're all supposed to be blessed. We're all supposed to be doing all those kind of things. That's true. But I've known people in my life, and I've seen people in my life who have spent 10, 15, 20 years fighting the things that God's put in their heart to do because they, they, this just seems so much past them that maybe they can finally just take this business knowledge that they've tried to work up so they can finance the kingdom of God. And God said, that's awesome. I appreciate that. But I called you to be out here doing the work, not just financing the work. Whew, I'm sweating. I'm breathing a little heavy. Is it all right? I need to exercise more. That's obvious. Anybody else want to give it a shot? Wow, I need a break. But you got to realize, I think, in our lives, when Pastor Bill came back, he's excited about the things of God, and he is not going to sit on his hands. I've been to many a lunch with Pastor Bill. I've known him for my almost all my life. And he's been part of our household and been part of our family. But, but that was the, probably the first time ever that when I sat down with him just face to face and just had lunch, that was the first time that he really truly went to preaching. <laughs> and I just sat there and was very quiet and nodded and said yes and took it all in. He, he, ta- he, <laughs> he talked and preached the righteousness of America to me for so long that he couldn't even remember the other two or three things we talked about previous to that. I mean, the next day, he was like, did I tell you about I had a list of things I needed to tell you about. But see, what's on his heart? See, what's on the inside of him? Now, there's a, there's a burden on the inside of him, a Holy Spirit unction, right, to get out and give that thing to people, not just so that he can get it off of him, but so that it can spread, so that it can go out beyond the place where we are. Can, can 85, 100 people who are in this place today really absolutely turn the country on its ear? Yes. Yes, you can. He's called you. He's appointed you. He's anointed you. He's prepared you for all of this. I've talked about those words and those definitions are all in your thing and you can look at them. But you are called, appointed, anointed, and prepared for something. We're all playing different roles in different parts. But those four things are true about you. 
And just like Elizabeth said, when that moment happens in your office or when that moment happens in your neighborhood or it happens at Walmart or it happens where you are where somebody comes up to you and you know it, man, because your heart starts beating hard. And you know it because you're trying to find a way out. You're not necessarily asking God for the how-to. You're asking God like, ho, ho, not, I didn't mean like right now. I didn't mean like, I didn't, I didn't you know, like I, I'm just buying some Tide. I didn't mean like I needed to like pray for somebody at Walmart. But all of a sudden it's that, your heart's just beating. See, that, that's, that's the time. That's the time. But that's not the time to go, oh, Elizabeth said I should have taken the VBI. Oh, I should have taken, you know, divine healing. I could have used for something, you because know, now all of a sudden this lady, she's got a hurt leg, and now she asked me to pray for her in Walmart. And all I can think of is I'll just rub a little Tide on I mean, I'll just do a little something. I don't know, man. It was, what did I see Pastor Pam do that time? And what did Pastor... That's not the time. You know, I've shared with the ushers and I've shared with, you know, everybody around as we continue to move into this next season of the things that God's doing in this church. Be prepared to do whatever God asks you to do or whatever God needs in the moment. When we were in Tulsa and I was at Word Explosion with Pastor Pam, that is, you know, a time to kind of get away a little bit and listen and hear and do some things. But when you're, when you're in those moments, that's not the time to say, oh, I need VBI. And I was out having breakfast on Tuesday morning, just minding my own business. Went to breakfast with Pastor Pam. Caleb came. He met me there. And she went on. And Caleb and I just had breakfast, talked for a while. Went to church. Tuesday morning, Ron Luce was speaking. Good time. A couple thousand people hanging out, just listening to Ron Luce. Worship was going on. And I am just like, I'm sitting with Caleb on the front row, just minding my own business. I am just like, whoo, I'm having a good time. But all of a sudden, something on the inside of me just kind of went bloink. And I thought, wow, what is that? Just kind of looking around. And there was, I saw Sharon, and she'd been doing this the whole time. She's just kind of praising and just looking around like this, doing her thing. And I thought, well, that's, you know. She had words for people as she was going along. I thought, hey, awesome, God, I'm, you know, I'll take a word. I mean, if she's got a word, I'm good for that. And so I'm just, you know, minding my own business. Caleb's minding his. We're just doing our thing. And out of the blue... As I'm out of my own business, somebody grabs a hold of my shoulder. And like enough to make me go like. <laughs> and she is this close to my face. Sharon. And she's got those eyes. <laughs> They're like lasers. And she said, you have a word of prophecy for us today. I just mind my own business. There ain't no looking around saying me, because she's right here. She's talking to somebody else. It's, it's quite going on right in front of me. And she said, I'm going to go up, and then I'm going to call you. I'm going to come down, and I'm going to call you up. Now, this is what people have said. Did you start praying? That is not time. That is not. You can, and I did. I didn't pray harder. I didn't pray more fervently. I didn't fall on my knees and say, God, oh God, you got to show up. I did say that a little bit. You got to show up, man. <laughs> but see, I, I have confidence in God. See, and I, and I know I don't have to. I didn't even think about the fact there were all those people there. I didn't even think about the fact that I'm just Joe, Joe Smo, man, minding my own business, doing my thing. At that moment, see, God said, hey, hey, hey. You have a word. Come on up here. I want to use you. I didn't think of anything. I just thought, oh, God, you've got to show up because I do not want to embarrass Sharon. I mean, I don't want to get up there and just... And this wasn't like I could go up and tell a good story. 
Because she got up and when she did the microphone, she gave a tongue. And what God had was the interpretation. So at that point, all of my cute stories that have nice little things with them, they were all out the window. Because God wasn't going to tell you by that time I grew my grass and I got all the weeds out and we planted up with good grass. That wasn't it. This was a God thing. So I couldn't make it up. And, and I just kind of kept my eyes closed. And then she gave that tongue and I said, oh, God, yes, this is good. I am glad that I am prepared. See, Esther was prepared for such a time as this. You are prepared for such a time as this. When's that such a time? Whenever God chooses. And you best be prepared. Because if you're not, there's a lot of people going to be staring at you. I don't know what I said. I said it, waited, said some more, waited, said some more, waited, said some more, and just gave her the microphone and walked back. (laughs) Got real quiet. Because it was over. There was this much, then God said this much, then God said this much, then God said that much, and then that was it. I didn't look, didn't ask, didn't nothing, just kept going. And then she started talking about, okay, now that's what that is, is tongues and interpretation. She'd been teaching about the gifts of the Spirit. And God had been showing up in meetings and doing things, and she'd had word of wisdom and knowledge and those kind of things for people. That was just the next step in the line. Thank God I come to service, and I wake up each morning and, and spend my day prepared. Because you don't know what God's going to do with you during that day. You are all, what? Called, anointed, appointed, and prepared. I could have very easily said, "Uh uh-uh. Not me. Caleb's next to me. You missed. Your son-in-law's right here. That's the guy you need. I just said, yes, ma'am. Whatever you say. I sat down and Caleb smacked me and he goes, that's pretty good. You just got Billy Joad. <laughs> I said, well, thanks, man. <laughs> I am not sitting on the front with you anymore. I mean, I'm right on the edge. I dig the front row. I think it's pretty cool. Boy, you are in the bullseye on the front row. Uh, but you're going to be in the bullseye wherever God puts you and wherever he needs you. But you have to be ready. And the choice is going to be yours. Your life has changed. David was anointed king a long time before he became king. But from that time on, then all of a sudden, things were a little different for him. He was being prepared as he went through all those things. The lion and the bear and the Goliath. See, all of those things happen in your life. You have been chosen. It says you're a royal priesthood and a holy nation in 1 Peter 2.9. So don't think, oh, this is just for somebody else. Don't think that's just for me because I do this all the time and I'm full. That doesn't mean anything. It was like this for me when I was in school. Man, I woke up every day and knew I did not have the answer for all these kids. It is not bad not to know the answer. But what's bad is not doing something about not knowing the answer. If you'll pray, God may give you the answer. Or you may pray and then when you're talking to him, he might give you the answer. You may know ahead of time what you're supposed to do, or you may know in that moment what you're supposed to do. He's giving you the Word and His Holy Spirit so that you're prepared. Now go do it. See, now go do it. Now, what is it that God's called you to do? I don't know. But your life has been changed, and the choice is now yours. In Deuteronomy it says, He lays before us life and death. Not only that, then He tells you, choose life. Allison was surprised. She gave her little guys some tests in third grade. She told them three answers or whatever it was. And she was surprised that a lot of them got them all wrong. They didn't write down the ones she told them to write down. Happens all the time. You've heard me say it. I tell kids all the time, the answer number four is C. I get up, they all put B. Because they're just afraid I'm going to trick them and not give them the right answer. And that's not true. God told us not only, hey, death and life are set before you, but hey, psst, choose life. You know, not only am I going to tell you what to do, you know, or what the choice is, I'm going to tell you what the answer is. I mean, come on. That says right there that God says, hey, you know, they need a little help. 
Okay, not only was it like, okay, ch choose like mediocrity and then choose a little better. Mm. No, it was death and life. I mean, it wasn't even anything that was close. I mean, it wasn't like he told you, you know, is it gray or is it just a little bit? I mean, I don't know what it is. Is it charcoal or is it navy gray? I mean, it, dude, he said life and death. He said black and white. Totally different. Choose life like we needed help. So then the choice at that point is yours. I mean, it didn't look like maybe I had a choice at Word Explosion, but I did. I could have said, uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, she was right here. Nobody else heard anything. I mean, it was just her and I. But at that moment, see, I, I have a choice. And I say, praise God. What do you got today, sir? I get to be a part of it. See, what is it that he's telling you in the morning when you're praying before you go to work? What is it that he's telling you today as you're sitting in here that he's saying, you know what, this person that you know, they need to hear that word. They need to hear what, what Pastor Pamper, they need to hear what Caleb said. They need to hear that thing that Sarah did. You know, and he may say, go get it for him and give it to him. Or he might say, you tell him. See, we always have that extra thing like, ooh, got a CD, because that'll help me out. Here, listen to this. That's all right, and maybe that's what God wants you to do in that particular moment. But there's a lot of times where God says, yeah, yeah, t no, 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 not a CD. He'll knock it out of your hands. You tell him. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Sure you can. You're called, anointed, appointed, and prepared. Were you there? Uh-huh. Did you hear it? Uh-huh. Was it a revelation? Uh-huh. Did you get it? Uh-huh. Then you can give it. It may be different. It may be a little bit off. From what she said, you may be just a little bit different, skewed your way or whatever that is, but you can do that, but you have to make the choice to do that. He has to be your first priority. I know we're all called to do a lot of things. He's given you jobs. He's given you responsibilities, but he has to be your first priority. What he wants, his will, his way, when? We don't get a choice. And in this nation, what has happened is we've gotten to this point because people have decided that, you know what, I'm not going to. People have just said, nope, not now. Maybe later. Hey, hey, we don't have a lot of later. Or we're going to end up in a horrible place in this boat. In the book that uh, John Hagee wrote, you know, his newest book, he has a chapter and he spoke this at Tulsa at Word Explosion on that Sunday night. America, tomorrow's Titanic. See, that makes you cringe a little bit and you think, oh my goodness, you know, everybody perished. That wasn't, it wasn't like a pleasure cruise. But really, truly, if nobody will wake up, act up, speak out, stand up, do those things, that is exactly the direction that we're headed. See, there were two guys that said, the spies, who said, hey, 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 we can go in. Eleven guys said, huh, we can't. Everybody sided with the eleven guys. And what happened? They didn't. They were right. They all died. But the two who said we could, eventually, ten, sorry, yeah, sorry, I get all my spies mixed up. As they went through, what, 2 and 2 and 10 makes 12, right? 12 spies. Yeah. What did I say? 11? There's an extra guy there. You just didn't know it. He was a little dude. He snuck in, you know. He just wanted to hang out, see what was going on. The 2 and the, the, two and the 10. I'm okay, Sue? All right. That's all right. Good. Sue says, all right. I teach a lot of Bible classes at VBI, too, so you might want to check those out. They may all be wrong as far as those things go. But see, those two guys said, no, 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 we can make it. And what was... They got to make it, but there was a whole group that had to go away. I don't want to be the whole group that has to go away in this country. Because no one will stand up for righteousness and say, that is what needs to be done. Vote the right people in, run for office, whatever it is. The people who are there, write them every day and tell them that you do not agree. 
There's no reason why you cannot disagree with what they're saying. It says in the Constitution that that's our right to do that. Oh, I don't want to ruffle feathers. You better ruffle some feathers or you're going to go down looking pretty. I'd rather be all ruffled and messed up, given everything I got, and go down that way than to go down looking good. I'm not interested in looking good. I'm just interested in doing what God called me to do, however He called me to do it, whenever He said. And to do it. Some of you are young. Who knows what God has for you? It doesn't matter that you're 12. It doesn't matter that you're 16. There's a whole school full of kids right there for you to talk to, for you to reach out to. It doesn't matter your age, but he has to be your priority. It says so, right? I mean, Jesus said, hey, I came to do what? Whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted? Nope. He said, I came to just, you know, have a good time and kind of set some people free. Nope. He said, I came to do the will of the one who sent me. And he's the son of God. So if he didn't get a chance to back out and do something he wanted to do, then we probably won't either. You can't put on the back burner the things that God's called you to do today because you don't feel like you need to do it because it's Labor Day weekend and I deserve to rest. You don't get that choice. If God says today's the day, then today's the day. If he said tomorrow's the time, then tomorrow's the time. You look at the lady who had the issue of blood. That's a great story. But remember, he was going to the guy's house to take care of his daughter. Jesus didn't say, sorry, I can't be dealing with you right now. I've got to go to this guy's house. He said, hey, hey, cool, let's go. What happened? That was awesome. And then the, guy, the girl dies. And he, that, that did not sway him to say, oh, everybody get away. I've got to run to this guy right now. Lazarus died. He didn't just jump up and run with the girls and say, oh, my goodness, then we've got to get over there. We've got to get over there. He kind of hung out a couple days, it said. And he waited his time until he got to that point. Matthew, it says, in, in chapter 6, if you read this, you know, because I think sometimes we worry about today. We worry about what's going to happen, if the kids are going to have clothes, if the kids are going to have shoes. I was a real, I was something. I mean, I was sixth grade, fifth grade when we lived in Oklahoma by ourselves. I wanted some Nike Cortez shoes so bad that I was making her life miserable because I couldn't have Nike Cortez shoes. They were white with red Nike swooshes. They were cool. They had blue and red on the sides. Everybody had a pair, and I had to have a pair. You know, I'm fifth grade, so I'm, I'm just I'm pouting and I could, moody and just cranky. But she, thank goodness, she listens to the word and she knows that God will take care of her and that, you know what, if that's a need that I have, if that's something that I desire, even though I'm being a brat, God, you've got to take care of me. You're going to meet all my needs. We're given the way you want us to give. It says here that people who don't know God and the way he works, this is in the message, they fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. And it says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met. See, that's a word for the body. Look, don't worry about, see, don't worry about all the stuff. It'll all be taken care of. People won't do things for God because they've got to take care of their kids. Your kids will be taken care of. That doesn't mean ignore your kids. That means do it with your kids. Spend your time with your kids. Do all of those kind of things. But serve God, not soccer. You know, I'm not saying soccer's bad, but, you know, I mean, I, mean, I, got, you know, I got a little nephew who loves soccer, so, you know, he's all about it. But I, I know people who have, like, 13 soccer teams, and they can't come to church during soccer season. Well, you know what's happened? The devil's made soccer season about nine months of the year. So we got folks who aren't coming to church, and they're parents, and they have little kids. And because they got left out on some things, they feel like they can't leave their kids out, so they're going to go overboard and do more for their kids than they ever had done for them because that makes them a good parent. Making a good parent means you come to church, teach them the Word of God, and you teach them to be godly men and women. That's being a good parent. That wasn't in my notes. 
Sorry. See, but all of those scriptures, man, they, they, all, they, all, they all say seek, knock, ask, all those things. The scriptures are in your, in your thing. It says in Hebrews eleven six that there is a reward for those who diligently seek God, who trust Him and who know who He is. So there's no pleasing God without faith. Because if you come to faith, you have to believe that He is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek Him. That is not coming to church for an hour on Sunday. Praise God you're here. That's awesome. Okay, But diligently seeking God is a lifetime commitment that's a day-by-day process. And many times within that day, moment by moment. You do not know what God has for the people that you come in contact with and how He's going to use you to do it. But the problem is you have to pass the test, the last test. And this was Jensen Franklin's message, and I'll, I'll close be about five, ten minutes here with this. When I went last year to Word Explosion, he had a word that said, now is the time, you're the person, this is the place, or whatever. And that was something that just spoke to me and, and resonated on the inside of me because of some things I was going through and things I was doing and, and being involved in. And in this particular one, he talked about the final test. And he used Abraham, and it's in Genesis in chapter 22, and it's where he took Isaac and he took him to the mount. And he, was, he asked him, you need to go and you need to take your son and you need to sacrifice him. Now, he spends like an hour explaining all of this and going through the whole thing. There's a lot there. There's some background information that, you know, I mean, if you did your study in history, you would know some things. And pagans always took their firstborn many times and they would sacrifice him to their pagan god. And so he told Abraham, would you just at least take, I, could you love me enough? Could you love me like the pagans love? See, the pagans love a dead god who doesn't mean anything enough to sacrifice their kid to it. Would you love me enough that you would take Isaac and you would lay him on the altar? Just, just love me as much as the sinners love sin. And as he began to talk about these things, it began to like bounce all over me because I started thinking, not of everybody else that needed to hear this word, but I started thinking about my own life. And he said, you know, the sinners love sin. You don't have to beg an alcoholic to go get drunk. Because he's going to do everything he can to get the next drink. When we were poor and I drank, I was a mathematician. I could find the most ounces for the least amount of money. I was in the liquor store for a long time. It wasn't because I was trying to get between one or another. I was doing math in my head. Every now and then scratching it out on paper. Because I knew if I could get six more ounces for the same price, that means I could drink six more ounces. See, you don't have to trick an alcoholic. You don't have to trick somebody who's on drugs to do drugs. They're going to sell their whole house and everything for it for the drugs. But why is it that the church sometimes has to trick people to come to church? If it's raining out, there's less people. Why? Well, because it's raining, and I don't want to get wet. Seriously. But the alcoholic will go to the, he'll go to the end of the earth to get the next drink, yet as the believers, as the church of Christ, who's supposed to be bringing righteousness into this country to change the country and the world, we won't come to church because it's raining? So, <laughs> I went a lot different in Tulsa on that Tuesday night. I'm sorry, it was a lot of energy in the room. Conviction's all right. I'm done, got convicted, so I can, I can go ahead and say it. You know, it's you know, your turn to be convicted. I don't know what you're going through, but obviously something. But now, but, but truthfully, I mean, that's, see, I mean, the church, look what you've got. We preach and we teach and we jump up and down and we sing. We've got the victory. We've got all those things. We've got the word of God given to us, the Holy Spirit given to us. We should be living life large. 
large and in charge everywhere that you go because, my goodness, this is what you got. And what he said that night just cracked me up. He said, I'm not going to go get drunk no more. This is all I got, so I better have fun. I mean, seriously, are you going to go out and be a wretched sinner heathen the rest of your life? No, you already turned your back on all that. Don't look back and say, oh, poor me, I can't go do that anymore. Say, oh, woohoo! look what I get to do. Thank you, Pam. It might be harsh for a minute, but it's life-saving and it's liberating if you get it. He said, he said, the prodigal son, he came back to the house, they threw a party, and who was upset? The brother. He said, it's the brother's fault he wasn't having a good time because he had all that stuff himself. He was so upset because this little sinner and this heathen was out doing his thing, and he was all pounding because he gets to do all the fun stuff. And he's staying at home with his dad, and he's having to play it right. Seriously, would you rather die in sin? No, rejoice where you are. I mean, he's living in Disney World. He's got everything to it. But he's worried about what the brother's doing somewhere else. Now, if you're praying and interceding and reaching out for your brother, that's one thing. But if you're saying, oh, I wish I could do that, and I wish I could do this, and I wish I could do that, and I can't do that anymore. Thank God you can't do that anymore. You were bad at it. It was killing you and your family. Thank God we can't sin anymore. Thank God we can't go do that. Thank God he's brought us up. Thank God he's raised us from that stuff. So that we can come into church and we can rejoice. We can dance when the song comes on to dance. And you see up here and you see, you see Brittany. Woo! She's doing all this kind of stuff. Why? Because she's been set free for some junk in her life. And she's glad she doesn't get to go back there. She's glad that every day she wakes up she gets to say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do what he called me to do. Even though I was a mess, I'm going to go to acquire the fire and do it right this time. I'm going to do all the things that God has for me. I'm going to reach out and help people. And what do you see when she praises? She dances and she sings. I mean, those things that, you know, you're trying to come out of, they're no good for you. It says the devil's come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came and we might have life and what? Life more abundantly. Well, how do we do that? By living the word. Abundant life. I've never had so much fun. I've never had to lay so much down. But I've never had so much fun. And then I get to lay something else down. But I've never had so much fun. Now we all go through things and we all got stuff and the devil lies to us and he's telling us things and he's, he's what is he trying to do? He's trying to bring you back. But you're not supposed to go back. You're supposed to go forward. It says that he separated you from who you were. And he made you a new creature in Christ. And you look in Genesis. This is what the the gist of his message was that night. It was chapter 22. And it's at the end, and it's verse 16. And it's God speaking because he told Abraham, you know, he's speaking through the angel of the Lord. And he told Abraham, go do this. And you know the story. Abraham said, okay. Took him. Man, wait... Waited a long time for this kid. You know, went through a lot of stuff for this kid. I didn't waver in the promise for this kid. I knew God was faithful. Here's the answer and the promise and all the stuff that God... It's in this kid. And so he said, I don't care though. I'm not letting this thing get between me and you. And he said, okay. And he called this the final test. And he said, you know, really truly though, as you grow and as you mature in Christ, it's not always the final test because maybe there's something else as you continue to go. But where you are today, this becomes your final test. 
What is your Isaac? See, what is your thing that maybe even God blessed you with? That he's saying right now, do you love me more than that? See, is it the sin, the stuff that you've been going through, the stuff that he's been asking you to stop doing and all that kind of stuff? Or is it something that he's given you? And he's saying, oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you love me more than that? Because if you do, it says here that if you'll pass the test, if you do love God more than the sin, if you do love God more than the thing that's in the middle and you have to make the decision, if you do, it says in verse 16, God, it says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your only son. Verse 17, blessing I will bless. Blessing I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars in the heaven as the sand is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies in your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Blessings, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will pour into your life. It's the thing that you want more than anything in your life, but you won't let this thing get out of the way so that you can just love him with all of your heart. What is it in your life today? What is that thing? It's your final test. What is the thing that maybe God spoke to you? Maybe you know it. I don't, you don't need to tell me. I, I was in my seat shaking, trying to get, like, come on, have the altar call, would you? Because I, I, I want to, I've got to go. <laughs> and we were <laughs> kind of a Dan moment. You went to all those altar calls at Empower 21. I was just like, and I was sitting next to Sharon's assistant, and I almost pushed her into the aisle. I mean, I didn't even wait. When he said, come, Dad, boom, I went right past that lady. And I, I, I mean, I went flying to the altar. There was Caleb and Sarah and Adam and Ruthie and me. And I mean, it was just all these people. And it was just a whole crush of people who came forward and said, I, I, I know. Nothing's going to be between. Nothing gets between. Nothing in between. I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I'll give it up. Not because I want to be blessed, but because I love you that much. Let's stand together. Corey's going to come. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.